Let's get ready to study God's Word. Greetings to one and all. Welcome to another episode of Rightly Divide the Word of Truth. This is Andrew S. Baker in today's devotional studies entitled, What Doest Thou Here, Elijah? Please visit our podcast page, biblestudy.asbzone.com, where you can find links to our previous episodes, our Bible study resources, and much more, including over a dozen ways to access our podcasts. Our verse for this study is 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 12 and 13 from the King James Version. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. And it was so, when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering in of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, what doest thou here, Elijah? Before we get into this study, let's have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the privilege of Bible study like this. We thank you for the opportunity to share your word with others. We invite your presence to be with us. Help us to rightly divide your words of truth. In Jesus' name, amen. What doest thou here, Elijah? This is the post-Carmel experience of Elijah. And it can be found in 1 Kings 19. Let's read. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and withal how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a message unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life, as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. Some good propaganda, right? So Jezebel is upset and she sends a message to Elijah, a threat to him, that his life is going to be in danger. You killed my prophets? Watch. By tomorrow, same thing to you. She didn't bother to set in motion his actual demise, but she sent him a message initially. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. Right? Remember, this is the servant that prayed with him, um, that watched while he prayed for the rain. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. Elijah succumbed to pressure. One of the dangers of a spiritual high, <laughs> one of the dangers of a spiritual high, is that we need to be even more on guard. Spiritual high does not make us impervious to attack, it draws attention to us. 
and the enemy comes after us because when we have had a spiritual high, if he can get us to fall, it will have a more, um, it'll be more influential, more detrimental to more people, which serves his purpose. Elijah had done a lot and had been involved in a lot and was drained emotionally, physically. I mean, he ran before the, um, the chariot of Ahab. There was a lot that was involved. And the work that he had started was just that, work that had started. The, the Mount Carmel experience didn't suddenly turn all of Israel into saints. It arrested their attention from the, um, the valley of decision that they had been in. If God be God, then worship him. If he'll be God, be wor- then worship him. It arrested their attention and got them to think in terms of the true God, but it didn't suddenly solve all of their problems. If he walked away from, from this, they weren't suddenly going to be um, in line with the God of heaven. They were now in a position where their minds were open and receptive to the power of God, and they could be influenced to return to God properly. The Reformation and revival had just begun. It had not ended. But he was tired. All of this happened. He went to sleep. There was a great victory that was won in the battle. Right, The war had not been finished, but there was a great victory in the battle. And he was tired. And he's awakened by a messenger who gives him this message. And all he thinks of is his life. Stories like this, I always, I, I, there are certain people in the Bible, I like Elijah, I like David, um, I like the good guys, right? But I especially like these men of God, and the stories in their weakness, it hurts me. And it hurts me not because, you know, they've done anything to me, but I feel that their weakness, it resonates with me, and I feel for them. I always look at their story and think, oh man, if they could have only done X, Y, or Z. And I'm so grateful for Daniel's story and for Enoch's story and for Joseph's story, more so Joseph and Daniel, because we aren't told specifics on Enoch. We know that Enoch lived in a very terrible time. I mean, he he lived in the time that led up to the flood, so it was clearly a bad time. But in Daniel's story and in Joseph's story, we see very specific temptations and trials that they went through. So there's a, there's a little bit more of a closeness with their stories. And it is so good to see people who didn't fall. It's good to see that God's name was vindicated by his servants. So I'm always, I always feel bad for Elijah when in this situation, just as I do when I read, uh, Daniel and look, uh, not Daniel, sorry, David and look at the Bathsheba incident. These are major situations that created a lot of problems. And I recognize in Elijah's situation um, how dangerous it can be when you've had a spiritual high. I also appreciate one of the things that, that Elijah's situation especially helps me with is understanding how much Jesus went through. Think about the feeding of the multitude, which is a, which is a spiritual high, right? He's been preaching all day. He feeds the multitude. They are blessed by it. And then they come and want to crown him as king, and he has to send them away and go and pray. Why does Jesus do that? 
empty, sends everyone away, including the disciples, and goes off and prays. Because we don't recognize how much of a temptation it was to shortcut the mission or to change its focus. Here they are, similar to the temptation where Satan is saying, hey, all this authority I'll give you now. Here's an opportunity. These people are willing to heed, to listen to him as their leader, and he can just shortcut it and rule and take over all of the nations of the world. But that's not how the plan of salvation would work. So Christ had a temptation there that he dealt with by removing, dissipating all the people and removing himself from that and going and praying. And that's what Elijah did not do here. When when this thing came upon him, he did not pray. He did not pray. Uh, he ran. And, and then he ran, he went a day's journey. And then when he's there, he's just frustrated and despondent about the whole thing. And he says, it's enough. Lord, just take away my life. I'm not better than my fathers. I'm not better than my ancestors. They were weak in different ways. I'm weak. Ugh, just, I've, I've, I've done you a disservice. Just let me die. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake bacon on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. From a health message perspective, I always wonder about that. He went right back to sleep after eating. Um, he was clearly very, very tired. And uh, angels apparently have culinary skills, right? We should, we should not overlook the skills that the heavenly entities have. They are, in fact, ministers of those who are heirs of salvation. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. Okay? Whew. So he ran a day's journey into the wilderness and then... He slept, then he got food again, and he went 40 days travel on that food all the way to Mount Horeb. Okay? Mount Horeb is, is always a special place. Verse 9, And he came thither into a unto a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. So remember, the Lord passed by for Moses. But here the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, 
a still, small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it, that is the still, small voice, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering in of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? Now we're going to watch Elijah repeat pretty much what he said before. And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said unto him, Go, return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when thou comest, anoint Haziel to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Meholah, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. And it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Haziel shall Jehu slay. And him that escapeth from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Yet I have left me seven thousand in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. The Lord allowed him to say what he was saying. The Lord allowed him his little complaint. The Lord was merciful with him. And the Lord heard his his whining, but gave him instruction and then corrected him. And I have I like the way that the Lord does it because if he corrects him first, then it seems that his biggest focus is you got the picture all wrong. But the real issue the Lord is saying is, why are you here? I'm not here. I had to come here to meet you. But you're supposed to be somewhere else. And wherever you were, wherever you were, if you had been where you were supposed to be, I would have been there to protect you. And so he asks him the question. And Elijah points out what his concern and complaint is. And the Lord gives him new instruction and then corrects his perspective. You're not the only one. I have 7,000 in Israel. And what's interesting about God's response here is what God doesn't say. What God doesn't say is, and I'm protecting them. What God doesn't say is, why did you run? I protected you for three and a half years. I could protect you. What God says is, I have others. And they're alive. And there are 7,000 of them. And so by definition, the fact that God has sustained these others and he's not the only one left and it's not a hopeless situation, it is a reminder or it is an acknowledgement to him that God is able to protect him. And so God sends him to do additional work. And God also points out to him, This work is going to continue. You need to go and anoint this person to continue the work of Syria. You need to go and anoint this person to continue the work in Israel. You need to go and anoint this person to continue the prophetic work. 
It's also interesting when you really, really think about it. It's quite interesting that God, who does it periodically and explains it clearly in the book of Daniel and in the books of Isaiah and Jeremiah, God sends his prophet of Israel to anoint the next king of Syria. If this doesn't say that God sets up kings and takes them down, then nothing does. Okay? We need to find ourselves in the place where God has placed us, where he's told us to be, where he's sent us. There are times where we become fearful, where we become distracted, where we become timid, where we become uh, nervous, and we end up where we shouldn't be, like David getting up in the evening when his troops are all in battle and going and walking on a rooftop, or like Eve wandering from Adam in the garden, or like Elijah running from Jezebel. We find ourselves sometimes in places where God isn't, and God has to come to find us and ask us, what are you doing here? And our answer, will we have a good answer? Elijah didn't have a good answer. The answer he gave was factually wrong, which the Lord explained to him at the end. Um, there were parts of it that were okay. I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, sure. And Israel had forsaken, sure. But I'm the only one left? Mm-mm. Let's be willing to leave to God the things that God has to deal with and be willing to take on the things that God, the responsibilities that God has left for us. Don't let the Lord have to come and ask, what doest thou here, Elijah? Don't let the Lord have to ask, Adam, where are you? Don't let the Lord have to ask, Cain, where is your brother? The Lord has at least 7,000 who have not bowed to Baal or kissed him. And we pray not only that we will be in that number, but that we will be found doing whatever work the Lord would have us to do. 1 Kings 19, 12 and 13. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. And it was so, when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering in of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? Let's close with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these uh, accounts that help us to understand our relationship to you, our relationship to, to your service ministry. We pray, Lord, that we will not be found leaving the post of duty, um, whether in fear or in distraction. We pray that we will always be alert, that we'll always be where you are, so that you can always be where we are. 
We ask you to forgive us of our sins. Forgive us of all the times that we've been fearful or distracted or discouraged. And may we draw strength from you and your word and your promises and be ready to serve you under all circumstances. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. Please feel free to contact us via email at BibleQuestions at ASBZone.com. Whether you have questions, comments, or concerns, we look forward to hearing from you. If you're finding this channel to be a blessing, please take the time to share our page with others. And always keep our ministry in your prayers. Until we meet again next time, may God richly bless you as you prayerfully study His Word.